This information is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is offered with the understanding that the presenters are not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, or other professional services. If legal advice or other expert advice is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought. Welcome to the Real Estate Financial Planner Podcast. I am your host, James Orr. This is episode 15. Today, we're going to continue with Norm and Norma's story. In the last episode, we explored how Norm and Norma, utilizing the nomad real estate investing strategy, meant that they could achieve financial independence faster than all previous strategies they considered to this point. Nomading was the fastest path to financial independence so far. To recap what the nomad strategy is again, they buy a property as an owner-occupant with 5% down and move into that property. They live there for at least one year. Sometimes it's more than a year if it takes them longer to save up for their next down payment, closing costs, and reserves. They buy a replacement property to live in and keep the previous property they lived in as a rental. They repeat this process until they've acquired as many properties as they want. In this case, that's 10 properties total, nine rentals, and one final property to continue to live in. So that's what Norm and Norma did in the last episode. But Norma is handy. She's not afraid of buying a property that needs a little bit of work and earning a little sweat equity. What if they could buy a property at a 10% discount that needed work but still do the nomad strategy? What impact would that have on them achieving financial independence? For our modeling, they're buying the property at a 10% discount, but the property requires about $12,000 in hard costs plus their labor to capture that equity. So they're not really capturing 10% of equity. It is 10% of equity minus about $12,000 in hard costs. Plus, in addition, whatever the value of their labor is in fixing up the property. So maybe they're really capturing about $25,000 in equity by buying a fixer-upper. When we do our modeling, we do assume that the $12,000 in fix-up costs do go up with inflation as well. Now, to be able to buy the property, we're assuming they need 5% for their down payment, plus closing costs, plus the $12,000. In other words, we don't allow them to buy the property without first having saved the money to fix it up as well. By doing this strategy, you might think that Norm and Norma would have more equity in each property they buy. And you'd be correct. Each time they buy a property, do the work required to increase the value, they have more equity than just buying a property that did not require work. But equity in a property does not count directly toward achieving financial independence. Sure, if they sold the property or did a cash-out refinance, it could help them. But just having more equity does not directly help with them qualifying as financially independent. Buying a property at a slight discount does mean their cash flow is a little better, and that does contribute toward them being financially independent. Plus, because they bought at a discount, it takes less time for them to qualify for private mortgage insurance to drop off when they reach 80% loan-to-value. Dropping private mortgage insurance further improves cash flow, so dropping private mortgage insurance earlier means better cash flow sooner. Spending money on fixing up the property buys speed to improved cash flow from paying off the private mortgage insurance. And you might think that buying a property at a 10% discount might mean that they could buy properties faster because saving up a 5% down payment for that property is 10% less from the discount. But 
you got to remember that while they save 10% in the 5% down payment, which might be saving about $1,875, they need to save up $12,000 more for the repairs before we buy the property with the modeling that we do. So the reality is that first property they end up buying sooner if they're not doing a fixer-upper. However, that changes after the first property. The extra cash flow from buying the fixer-upper means that they save for the next property faster and improve their debt to income. And that means they end up buying the second fixer-upper property sooner than buying the second non-fixer-upper property. Now we know that doing the regular nomad strategy is faster than all the previous strategies they've considered up until this point. But does Norma's predilection for fixing up properties help them be financially independent faster? Yes, yes it does. By buying fixer-upper properties, they're able to be financially independent and stop working their jobs about seven years faster. It's the difference between 26.5 years or 19.58 years. Plus, because buying the fixer-upper property gives them both extra cash flow and acquiring rentals faster, they could live at a higher standard of living sooner. I say sooner because ultimately, when all 10 properties are free and clear, they have the same nine rental properties free and clear, producing the same net cash flow, regardless of whether they're doing fixer-uppers or the regular nomad strategy. But before all the properties are paid off, Norm and Norma would be able to sustain a higher standard of living buying the fixer-upper properties. In fact, by the time Norm and Norma are financially independent, buying non-fixer-up properties in month 318, they could be living at about a 70% higher standard of living by buying fixer-upper properties. So instead of being able to live on $5,000 per month from their investments, they could be living on about $8,500 per month. Now that's an inflation adjusted dollars. And because they bought their 10th property sooner, that's the one they end up living in forever. By buying that sooner, they pay it off sooner, which significantly boosts their standard of living. The full mortgage payment that they were paying on that property that they're living in is now extra spendable cash each month if they desire to do that. Buying fixer-upper properties with better cash flow also makes them more resilient to drops in rent before they'd have any negative cash flow. That makes buying fixer-upper properties a slightly less risky strategy in terms of rent resiliency. The extra cash flow by buying fixer-uppers helps enough that they don't have any negative cash flow when they buy the fixer-uppers. So instead of having about $10,000 in negative cash flow doing the regular Nomad, they end up with zero negative cash flow when buying fixer-uppers. You might think that without the extra negative cash flow and being able to buy properties sooner with fixer-uppers means that they invest less overall to acquire the same number of rental properties. But it turns out that's not quite true. Instead of investing about $365,000 to acquire the nine rental properties, and we're specifically ignoring that 10th property that they bought and live in as an owner-occupant, so instead of that $365,000, they need to invest just over $402,000 because of all the extra money for the repairs. But some of this is subsidized for them by the extra cash flow. That's partly why they can still buy properties faster even with the extra money required. The other part is improved debt to income. Speaking of debt to income, that extra cash flow helps them with their debt to income ratios. 
In fact, looking at their debt to income and their account balances, it looks like debt to income might be what slows them down with their acquisition speed more so than having enough money for down payments. They need enough income between their jobs and cash flow on their rentals in order to be able to qualify for that next 5% down owner-occupant loan. Besides rent resiliency and debt to income, we like to also measure risk by looking at how much debt they have compared to their net worth and, separately but related, how much debt they have compared to their liquid net worth in their bank accounts. Looking at debt to net worth, buying non-fixer-upper properties spikes their debt to net worth early and high with their first Nomad purchases especially. However, buying fixer-upper properties at a discount gives them a net worth bump with each purchase, reducing the amount of risk they have with this measure. Furthermore, by buying properties faster as fixer-uppers, they end up with a lower overall risk later on than continuing to buy properties for a longer period of time when buying non-fixer-upper properties. Now, the risk when measured as debt-to-account balances or debt-to-liquid net worth is very different than debt to net worth. Why? With improved cash flow, buying fixer-uppers, they're not limited by debt to income when buying more properties. That means their account balance is lower as they utilize it earlier for down payments to take on more debt. That means their risk, as measured by debt to account balance, is much higher for buying fixer-upper properties. They have more debt, a lot more debt, compared to how much they have in their accounts. They could also help mitigate this and reduce this risk by requiring more reserves before buying their next properties. But they did not do this when we modeled this for this episode. Speaking of reserves, buying properties earlier as fixer-uppers means that they should set aside more in reserves earlier than they did with traditional Nomad from the last episode. But we didn't model it that way. Instead, we can see there are times when buying fixer-uppers that they end up with a small number of times when they barely have one month of reserves for all rental properties and personal expenses, and even one instance where they have less than one month of reserves. Now, if Norm and Norma really wanted to implement this strategy, we might have a conversation about slowing down a tiny bit and keeping more in reserves. Of course, this would change how fast they achieve financial independence, but that's the nice thing about being able to model this with the Real Estate Financial Planner software. We can see the impact of changing our assumptions and plan easily and compare one version of a strategy to another. In conclusion, Norm and Norma buying fixer-uppers seems to significantly speed up how quickly they can achieve financial independence and their standard of living. It does come with some increased risk, but in other measures of risk, it's less risky. While doing this modeling, Norm woke up one night in a cold sweat and an achy back after realizing in a nightmare that this means they need to move 10 times to implement this strategy. Is moving 10 times worth being able to achieve financial independence and stop working years sooner? Maybe, but could there be a way to get the benefits of nomading without having to actually nomad and move themselves? Well, there might be. Come back for the next episode where Norm and Norma consider the strategy of Nomad by Proxy, where they have someone else move into the properties for a year instead of them. 
Also, be sure to check out the Advanced Real Estate Financial Planner podcast to see how having variable property appreciation rates and rent appreciation rates, variable mortgage interest rates, variable inflation rate, and variable stock market rates of return impacts Norma Norma as they buy fixer-upper nomads. I hope you've enjoyed this episode about Norma Norma doing fixer-upper nomads. This has been James Orr with the Real Estate Financial Planner podcast. Bye-bye for now. Oh, I almost forgot. You can download the newest version of the world's greatest real estate deal analysis spreadsheet for free. Just go to realestatefinancialplanner.com forward slash spreadsheet to download it right now. It's amazing. Bye-bye for now.